Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller, and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. This is the first of two episodes this week, as always. Today, we will cover the recent DAO news with our guest. And then later in the week, we will go into a deeper interview with Gino. Speaking of whom, uh, Gino, would you please give a brief introduction to yourself? And in particular, what makes you an authority on DAOs? Hey, everyone. How are you doing, Adam? Uh, okay, first of all, thanks for the invitation. It's amazing to be here. Uh, it's like the last week of the year, like a pretty crazy year. So it's nice to be ending it like this. Uh, okay, so I'm Gino Singolani. I work in the governance core unit for the Decentraland DAO. Decentraland is the first virtual world owned by its user, powered by the blockchain, uh, basically Ethereum and Polygon. Um, I've been working in the space for a year now, so, so I'm not, a, not an OG. Uh, but been looking closely to what the, the DAO ecosystem has been doing in the, in the last couple of months. Um, I don't know if I'm an authority in the DAO space. I would say I'm just trying to, to learn and, and bringing um, a product thinking on how to make complex organizations behave better and be simpler for people taking decisions. That's awesome. And like all of our guests, uh, Gino is very humble, um, but super excited to have you. You know, I think your experience working with one of the leading, if not the leading metaverse, metaverses, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the governance of that metaverse is, is a pretty meaningful experience. I'm really excited for you to share some of your experience and insights with, with the audience. So with that, we will turn to the Just Dowit News Report, where I will summarize each story for the audience and for our guest. I'll share my hot take, and then I will ask you, Gino, if you'd like to share your hot take or reaction, especially we'll try to agree or disagree with the article, and also share what we think is relevant about these stories for people starting DAOs. You ready? Okay. First article of the week is from uh, Medium. Uh, it's in a blog called Quantum Economics. The author is Lou Kerner, uh, who has been on the show previously and is a leading thinker and writer in the DAO space. And the article is... 10 Highlights from Masari's Prodigious Crypto Theses 2023. So what Lou's writing about here is actually another publication, which everyone should check out if you have enough time to read 160 pages, <laughs> uh, which is a report by Masari, uh, their leader, Ryan Selkis, as well as his 200 or so uh, research associates, um, writing about what they see coming in 2023. And this is a great article they do every year. Um, but what's nice about Lou's article is it's a summary of the 10 highlights and Lou shares his own perspective as well. Uh, one of the things I really like here actually is not even one of the predictions, but it's the definition or the description that Ryan and Masari use to describe DAOs. So here's what it is. DAOs can scale entities at internet speed. That's it. And I thought this was really insightful. I think there's other important definitions and capabilities that DAOs bring to the world, but I thought it was a good way of kind of summarizing what DAOs make possible by automating governance, by making governance transparent, by allowing you to distribute membership broadly at no cost and make it easy for everyone to vote or participate in governance. You make it so that entities or what we usually call organizations, can scale as fast as any other app that you build with technology. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty accurate. 
But that doesn't mean that doing this at this speed is always good, right? <laughs> Sometimes we're facing like big coordination issues because we're scaling super fast uh, because of the technology we're using uh, and, and, and the, the amount of, of, of capital injected in the ecosystem and everything. But sometimes governance problems are hard to fix and hard to design, right? Uh, so maybe scaling governance at internet speed, uh, it might be risky. But yeah, I think it's, it's accurate. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, even just scaling communities, right? I mean, I feel like when a community grows, maybe two important elements of how humans socialize and work with each other, um, one is making sure that new people joining the community are aligned in whatever way you want the new people to be aligned with what the community's purpose is. And even just that they get along with everyone else in the community. I mean, again, depending on what the purpose is, maybe the purpose is to bring in people who see things differently, but otherwise, you know, you might want to bring in people who are similar in some way. And if you're scaling at internet speed, is it really possible to do those things? I, I guess that's what yeah. we're all trying to figure out. Yeah, I think the, the, the good thing about the space is that you're, you're basically accelerating the time of iterating, right? Iterating uh, this this kind of coordination problems. I mean, if you if you talk with uh, people on the political science space, a lot of them are super excited about the things that we are testing on this space. Sometimes uh, from a pretty ingenious way, because we're doing it like super super fast, right? And that's that's amazing. Yeah. All right. Next article of the week is from Medium again. It's from the Tally blog in Medium by uh, Barnabas Atam. And the headline is The Evolution of DAOs, the 2022 DAO Report. Uh, this is, again, a great article. You know, we'll see a lot of, of this type of article around this time of year because, of course, people are looking back on 2022 and forward to 2023. Uh, this article actually talks a little bit about the history of DAOs going back farther than, and, and mentioning something I had, hadn't actually heard before. So apparently in 1997, someone named Werner Dilger wrote an article um, about smart homes and, he, and IoT and all of the IoT devices making up a smart home and described that as a, as a DAO, as a decentralized autonomous organization. So that's, of course, a bit different, I think, from how we usually talk about DAOs because we're usually thinking about people and machines and, and the way we govern things, resources, et cetera, together. Um, but pretty interesting. And then uh, the history goes on to the creation of the first blockchains, which certainly I hear a lot of people describing blockchains and protocols themselves as DAOs of sort, even if the rules are not written into English and there is no governance smart contract, you, you effectively have a large number of people running something like an organization in concert based on the way they participate or don't participate, the software they use, the data they send and store or don't send and don't store. Um, and then this history does go into what uh, this author calls DAO 2.0, which is uh, when folks like uh, Vitalik actually started talking about, you know, what is this idea of a DAO on the blockchain using smart contracts? Um, it leads uh, to uh, dApps that were governed by DAOs and, and blockchain protocols that explicitly built some kind of governance into the protocol. And then finally, this author goes to DAO 3.0, which uh, he says was sparked by the original DAO 
um, back in uh, 2015, 2016, which if no one's, uh, the audience isn't aware, um, was a DAO called the DAO, which probably could have been named better because you know, it creates some confusion now. <laughs> it's but, difficult to search, um, right? <laughs> a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, joined this early DAO by uh, putting in Ethereum, like, you know, people do for a lot of DAOs these days. It was like an investment uh, too, DAO, right? Uh, but then uh, there was a hack. Funds were drained, yep, led to a hard fork of Ethereum that remains controversial to this day. But <laughs> it was like closer to what we think of as a DAO today, which was actually smart contracts written for the purpose of organizing people and resources and helping them make governance decisions about those people and resources. So this is a cool um, history of DAOs. And, and this article does also go into talking about metrics and some popular DAOs. Um, what do you think about this history, Gino, and DAO 1, 2, and 3? Does that align with how you think about the history of DAOs? Yeah, especially the DAO, like the 2.0 and the 3.0 era. I think it's it's pretty accurate. Regarding the, the 1.0, I think it's... I mean, I, I haven't read the original uh, like journal article, like the one about the, the smart home written by um, Werner Dilger. Um, I feel that we could start talking about DAOs uh, from the moment we have um, cooperatives, right? Like workers' cooperatives. I think from from a governance perspective, not as much uh, from a technical perspective, of course, but from a governance standpoint, uh, we could even go back in the history to start talking about this, like uh, decentralized um, organizations to, to basically fix things and, and build things, right? Um, regarding the 2.0 and the 3.0, I think it's pretty accurate, like, we, we could say that the first wave was basically coordinating with code as a source of truth, like basically which version of the blockchain you're running and those kind of things. And the 3.0 is where we are now. So, or, or, or maybe we're facing to the 4.0. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense. I think that it, it was <laughs> in DevCon that I heard someone saying probably every crypto problem is basically a coordination problem, right? Like a governance problem. Uh, and I think we're, we're going to start seeing more mm -hmm. and more of, of that from a code standpoint and from a human like interaction standpoint as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And yet, you know, to me, I, I, I probably before reading this, at least I would have said there was probably DAO 1.0 everywhere up through a couple of years ago where uh, people were either building protocols or building their own smart contracts that define how a DAO works. And then to me, DAO 2.0, or you could call it 3.0 or 4.0 in this model, is once people are actually building standardized smart contracts and platforms that you could launch DAOs on. Because now you had these like consistent sets of uh, rules and frameworks that lots of people were experimenting with, lots of people were working on, that's improving through all of that experience. And then anyone else can come in and say, oh, I, I want to start a DAO like that too. You know, maybe Nouns is a good example, right? Nouns built yeah. the Nouns DAO, but then they also built the platform so that anyone mm -hmm. can start it, modify and start a Nouns DAO. So yeah. now I feel like we're in the next wave, whether you call it 2.0 or 4.0. Yeah, the building blocks of DAOs, right? Like how, how do you productize? All right. Uh, the, the DAOs, like the DAO tooling, the DAO structures, and, and, and make it easy for everyone to start their own DAO. Also, not everything has to be a DAO. That's, that's also important, right? <laughs> now, when you say that, are you, are you saying that because people, I mean, it's okay for things to just be a traditional company? <laughs> exactly. Or what, what's the yeah. alternative in your mind that not everything Yeah, yeah, it could be yeah. a company. It could okay. be just like, a, like this idea of uh, internet native organization that doesn't 
strictly need to be a decentralized autonomous organization. Like you can, you can make use and, and take advantage of some of the technologies that we're using to build stuff, but not necessarily you have to build a DAO with all the, complex, with all the complexity that that might encompass, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of leaders in the DAO space and, and people working in the DAO space would probably agree that a core element of what we think of as a DAO in the truest sense is governance, right? We're mm -hmm. talking about how do you govern an organization or an entity, its resources, its people, its work, right, through this decentralized autonomous system and smart contracts and, and all that. Um, and so if you're just a community I mean, I guess I wonder, though, maybe every community ends up needing some kind of governance, right? Or at least you, maybe you want to build it in yeah. at the start so that when there's conflict, you have a process you can follow. Um, well, but it does feel still different sometimes. That's an interesting topic, right? I mean, can soft governance be the only thing that governs a DAO? Or you need to have like a soft and a hard governance, right? It, it has to be written in a smart contract or not for me doesn't need to, right? I mean, you can, you can have your own community and have soft governance mechanisms and you can even, like, you can build a, a healthy and thriving community with just that. Uh, and at some point, when you need it, you can move to the next stage, right? If needed. That's interesting. So when you say soft and hard governance, maybe could you describe what, what the difference is? Yeah, I mean, when I say hard governance, I mean, like, rules written in a smart contract, automated things, and like token voting and things like that. And when I say like soft governance, I mean basically designing mechanisms for people to coordinate stuff and maybe have like human proxies or, or, or people who hold uh, some kind of power that it's selected by the community and, and those kind of things, right? Not everything has to be like they're written in code. Mm. That's what I meant. I feel like even the softest kind of soft governance is just people using their natural, organic human coordination, emotions and systems yep. without even voting, uh, even electing a leader, right? But you just kind of figure yep. out who's the leader, totally. who has the good ideas, who should we ignore, and you just move, right? And you mm -hmm. do stuff. All right. Next article is another look back at 2022. This one is called This Year in DAOs. It's from a Logos DAOs Substack, and the subheader is a 2022 retrospective of the most exciting aspects of the DAO space. Now, I pulled out three highlights that I really like, so I'll share these real quick, and then Gino would love if you want to react to those or, or share your own uh, highlights of, from DAOs in 2022 from the article or otherwise. Um, you know, one interesting thing this article mentions and links to is uh, there were articles both in the M MIT Crypto Law and Harvard Law School Publishing that were primers about DAOs. And I think this just exemplifies how DAOs are starting to go mainstream. And maybe Harvard Law and MIT isn't quite mainstream, but it's like mainstream academia. Um, and so I, I think it just shows how much DAOs are, are, are growing in terms of being something people are aware of. I saw actually a little bit of a tangent um, so a few months ago in San Francisco, I saw a talk by someone who did a survey finding that about 5% of Americans knew what a DAO was in the middle of this year. I'll bet that's a little higher now, but I think by the end of 2023, it's going to be 50% or 100%, kind of like NFTs in the prior yeah. couple of years. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Another story I like, so, uh, well, I don't know, liked or not like Uki Dao and that whole saga, you know, I, I do think, and we've talked about that a lot on the show, but even more news recently about Uki Dao in terms of um, just another announcement from the court that, in fact, they're going to respect the 
um, serving of the suit through the DAO's uh, forum or, or chatbot or something. Um, but I do think 2022 was a bit of the year that DAOs started to realize they operate within the existing legal system, whether they like it or not. Um, and they have to choose to either follow it or, or kind of revolt against it, which can be risky. Um, uh, and then the third story I wanted to highlight. So uh, this article goes into a number of DAO-focused events that occurred over the course of 2022, which um, there were not a lot of, of DAO-focused events in 2021, at least to my knowledge. I think in 2022, there was probably about one a month. And this article goes into seven of the events. I'm aware of a few others that were not listed here. And, and I think that goes to show um, that DAOs really are considered a one of the subunits of crypto, right? If you use crypto to refer to everything, as I do, everything that's happening with blockchain, crypto, DeFi, NFTs, et cetera, DAOs are one of those things. And people are seeing that as a topic worth investigation in, in its own right. What do you think, Gino? I was, I was looking at the stories and I feel that another one that it's pretty, pretty interesting is like the Ukrainian DAO stuff. I think it was it was amazing to see a lot of people coordinating to to help a country uh, um, like who was at, at war. So I think that was pretty pretty interesting. Then regarding the events, I mean, I went to MCon and also DevCon, and I feel that especially in DevCon, the DAO track was amazing. I mean, MCon in Denver was great. Like the vibe is is awesome and everything, but we're all like DAO people. But going into a like a thick six thousand attend this event like DevCon and finding a lot of people trying to find better ways uh, to like to build stuff and to coordinate and everything was was truly amazing. I learned a lot uh, on it. Um, and regarding the, the Ukidao stuff, I feel that it was like a move from the, and it's also connected with the with the primer uh, from, from hard, right? We're getting into the, maybe the institutionalization phase and the, and the move uh, from from the court regarding Ukidao was basically to maybe create some some fear around like okay when when you vote when you participate on these communities you might be held responsible for things uh, so it's it's great to see people uh, from the academia thinking about those things and and also uh, providing like frameworks for us to operate so so I think that's that's great. Awesome. And I, by the way, MCON, for anyone who works professionally in the DAO space or is a leader in a DAO, um, this is a, a application only free event in Denver for, for leaders in the space. And so I highly recommend checking that out. And I can't believe I missed DevCon. And that was the one in Bogota you're talking about, Yeah, um, I, I think. Yeah. So that, that was a big miss for me. I'll have to make it to the next DevCon for sure. All right, next article is uh, actually a blog post from uh, Vitalik Buterin on his blog, which is at vitalik.ca. And this article is uh, entitled, What in the Ethereum Application Ecosystem Excites Me? And this is actually from a few weeks ago, but I thought it was worth highlighting. Um, you know, of course, Vitalik Buterin is one of the leading thinkers in the space. And uh, Vitalik talks a lot about DAOs in this article, and I thought that was worth highlighting. So, you know, first of all, um, one of the ideas that he uh, highlights is the idea, um, actually, when looking at the stablecoin space, which, as, as everyone probably knows, is a really important uh, element of the crypto ecosystem, that there is this idea of like, okay, centralized stablecoins and then completely decentralized, you know, algorithmic stablecoins, that in between, there's this idea of DAO-governed 
stable coins. And in particular, he talks about DAO governed real world asset backed stable coins, like what MakerDAO is doing with DAI. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually goes beyond stable coins um, and beyond real world assets. This idea that a DAO could govern what traditionally could only be done by a centralized system. So like, look at FTX, right? Historically, the only way you could have an exchange, because you're going to have to have a lot of corporate entities, you're going to have to open bank accounts and do custody and all this stuff. The only way to do that would be to have a centralized entity started by a small group of people with DAOs that now can form legal entities and can open bank accounts and can provide financial services as long as they're following the relevant laws. Now you have this opportunity in 2023 and going forward for DAOs to do some of these things that traditionally only centralized financial institutions could do. And I think that's really exciting. So let me pause there for a second and see, Gino, if you want to reflect on that at all. Yeah, I felt that this article from Vitalik, especially the part regarding like the section regarding DAOs, was almost uh, an update of his 2017 article about the meaning of decentralization, right? I think he does a great categorization on, okay, what does it mean to be decentralized uh, in terms of uh, this idea of like robustness or security, efficiency, and interoperability, right? Uh, so I, I really liked how he, I mean, he always do that, right? Like he, he creates like matrices and, and put things in systems and, and you see it like super clear. It's like, how can it, how can it, that I saw this in the, in the past, like with this clarity. Um, so I, I really, really like this, uh, like this, this categorization. I feel it's going to be like the new framework for explaining people why decentralization is important, why decentralization should be treated as a as a core element in in our in our projects in our products and of course in our DAOs right uh, I feel that 2022 teached us a lot about the importance of decentralization with Tornado Cash with Luna uh, with uh, FTX and and with everything we saw in the DAO space so I, I really really like that especially from my point of view um, like the the categorization or the description he does regarding decentralization for interoperability, which is maybe a core component for the potential use cases of the metaverse in the future, um, was, was super interesting. Yeah, and I think that section you're talking about that goes into these different reasons for being decentralized mm -hmm. in the context of DAOs, it, it reminds me of something that comes up a lot on this show, which is the importance of knowing what, like if someone comes up to you and says, hey, I'm starting a DAO, what advice do you have for me? A lot of people say, are you sure you want to start a DAO? And why are you <laughs> starting a DAO instead of doing something a different way? Um, and I think really what they're trying to get at is like, what, what, like, don't just do a DAO for the sake of being a DAO. And actually, that's fine, right? I mean, DAOs are new. It's, if people want to just experiment with DAOs, a lot of people are doing that. And that's great. But if you're trying to achieve something and you're thinking about using a DAO as, as the mechanism for achieving that thing, you want to think about, do, do you fall into one of these categories that Vitalik talks about? Like, are you using decentralization for the sake of robustness or yeah. for the sake of efficiency or for the, for the sake of interoperability, et cetera? Or is there some other reason? And I think it's just important to go into the project knowing so you can create the right framework. Yeah, I think that question is critical when you when you talk with someone who's starting a project because you will clearly see uh, if that person is really into building something decentralized, right? Or it's just like a hype word. Uh, so starting with the why is a healthy question, of course. Uh, and even though I agree that sometimes you want to do stuff 
just to see what it happens. The reality is that when those things grow, you have a responsibility, right? Because there are people there investing their time, maybe investing their money. So it is critical that if you're in the position where you can ask that question, like, why are you starting a DAO uh, to make that question, right? <laughs> yep, totally. Next article is from a mirror site. It's called Linda Z, or it's lynda.mirror.xyz. And the headline is Experiments in DAO Governance. So this is a great article that goes into some depth, again, looking at different types of DAOs, but through a different lens. The lens here is looking at governance models. And this article goes through some really interesting governance models that we saw pop up over the last year or two. And I wanted to highlight these for the audience. And of course, you know, go check out the article for more. Um, so here's some of the examples. One is Optimism's bicameral governance system. So this is the Optimism layer two uh, uh, scaling solution on top of Ethereum, a layer two blockchain. And uh, what Optimism has done for their governance is they've created something a bit like the U.S. government, if people are aware of how the U.S. government works, which is bicameral, meaning two different houses of, of government. And so they have one house that's called the token house, which is where, where voting takes place based on how many tokens you have. And the tokens are financialized in the sense that they're fungible, they're tradable. And so there's, there's this financial element to them. And then the other house is the citizen's house, which is more uh, kind of like a one person, one vote, or you earn your votes by your participation in the system. And so the idea is to kind of separate, look, there's people who have a mostly financial interest and there's people who have mostly an interest of being a citizen or a user of the system, a participant in the system. And we should kind of separate them and then make them interact in, in ways that are most effective. So I think that's that's one really interesting governance model. And actually, before I go to the next one, Gino, let me stop if you want to react to that or, or maybe share your favorite uh, yeah. element from this article. Yeah, I really like the, the e-camera system. I feel that we need to put in discussion this idea of, okay, delegating power. That's like delegating power into people who maybe has more context and is investing more time on the project doesn't mean that you're like, centralizing stuff, right? Because one of the most interesting things in, in this idea, and it's also mentioned on the on the Vitalik article, is the idea of like, this is a liquid democracy, right? It's a liquid, the, the, the power and the beauty of the blockchain is that you can give and take back power almost instantaneously, instantaneously right? So that's, that's truly amazing. So having this, this idea of the utility token governance or the governance or yeah utility token or governance token governance and then a more like soul bound token approach or something where 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 that token is given by the community to someone whom who has the responsibility to make uh like hard decisions in this case it's about like retroactive retroactive public goods funding and some changes on the network parameters and things like that which are are basically critical because they're about like the, the 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 stability of the project and also the treasury. It's it's really amazing. So um, I like that one. I also like the 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 experiments that Nouns started because basically they they empowered the community to build stuff uh, to 
to, to make DAO operations like PropHouse, which is basically for grants program, or, or Agora, that it's the delegation tool that they build, that it's super, like, that simple. Uh, I'm, I'm super into building stuff that it's easy to understand because the DAO ecosystem is already too complex, so the product layer should be simple. So I really like what Nouns is doing. Uh, what else? The, the, well, the, the, the transition, uh, the, the Gitcoin transition from a centralized company to a DAO, that was also like huge, right? It's, it, it happened at the beginning of, of this year and it, it seems like it was like ages ago, but it was like eight months ago. And it's, it was really, really uh, amazing. So, so those things are, are cool. And the article is, is really, are really yeah. insightful. So. Yeah, and I want to dig in a little more to um, one of the first things you brought up, which is this concept of liquid uh, governance or liquid delegation. Um, and there's an example in this article. It talks about uh, Element uh, as a project, so Element's Dynamic Governance Council. So here's a specific example of, of, of liquid governance. What they did was they said, okay, anyone who has about 1% or more of the governance tokens gets to be on the governance steering council which is a group that has additional governance powers and responsibilities. And what's, what's liquid or dynamic about this is that at any time, someone could go above 1% or below 1%. And at that moment, you're part of the council or you're not part of the council, depending mm -hmm. on how many tokens you have. And that's a pretty straightforward liquid governance situation. But even more broadly, you know, imagine uh, if you had a, 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 a country's government where instead of voting once every four years, anytime you want, you take your votes and exactly. you stake them. It was something you could do with tokens, but not with normal votes, right, on whichever uh, candidates you're in support of. And at any time, you can remove your stake and say, you know what, I'm going to go put my stake in, favor in, in support of someone else. Yeah. And at any given time, maybe someone drops out of having that governance power, you know, holding that political position or that, that, that position of power in an organization, or someone else could go into that position of power. And it really was, it's one of these things that just was not possible, even in the case of a traditional corporation doing votes by email or proxy vote, there's just, you, you can't do a vote every day. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't you scale. Can't do it. But mm -hmm. with this new system of staking, Right. It doesn't scale. Right. Just, right. Even if you had five people, you couldn't do it. Right. I mean, every you know hour we're going to vote again to see who's it could actually be interesting to try. But with blockchain, it's easy. It's free. You can just do it. And so now we get to experiment with this new form of governance, which is liquid governance. And it's just going to be so interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, I think that next year is going to be the year of uh, like delegation experiments, right? I think we're going to start seeing like incentivized delegation, professional delegates, the rise of political parties in DAOs. Um, I don't know, like bodies of recognized delegates. Lots of things are going to happen because when when the hype was like, was was super high, everyone was was looking at what DAOs were doing and everything. And, and this year, and probably the next year, it's going to be the same. Uh, we're going to see a, a, a decrease in participation, probably. And we need an active community because decentralized means you need to rely on your nodes, right? If the nodes are not paying attention on what, like, what's going on on the governance side, uh, you might get like hacked. You might get like a, hit by a governance attack, whatever. So we need people 
who's taking care and who's looking at the proposals and the votes and the trends and everything inside the organizations. So I feel that we're going to see some pretty interesting examples and, and I don't know, experiments regarding delegation in DAOs next year. Yeah, totally agree. All right. The next article of the week is actually a tweet, and it's from Daniel Ospina, who's been on the show before and is, is certainly a thought leader in the space of DAOs. And the tweet is as follows. What does 2023 hold for DAOs? I'm afraid the DAO dream has partially died. Most people are going towards corporations on chain. The less bad examples are more towards representative democracy. Capture Fest, anyone? The silver lining is that governance experimentation continues. Now, the next tweet in the thread is, but from the ashes, DAO ideals can resurface. And actually, the thread goes on to be a little bit more optimistic than the first tweet. But um, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's clearly a hot take, right? I mean, he's asserting <laughs> that, you know, based on recent uh, experience, that the DAO dream is, is, is dying. And, and, and the re main reason he gives is that instead of, I guess, doing what Daniel believes DAOs should do, they're basically building things that look a lot like traditional corporations, but they're on chain. So why don't I go to you first, Gina? What, what do you think about this take and what, what's your reaction? So first of all, I think that traditional, traditional corporations on chain are way better than traditional corporations of chain <laughs> because at least they're transparent. So it, if, if that's the future, mm -hmm. okay, maybe we didn't uh, yeah. change entirely the world, but uh, we definitely made an improvement. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is definitely a hot take. So when the thread goes on, it, it gets less and less uh, like controversial on his definition. <laughs> the highlight of governance experimentation continues. I totally agree, and I think that's amazing. Um, and then regarding representative democracy, I mean, what we were saying before, uh, even if it's representative democracy, if it's liquid, it's fundamentally different than voting every four years and being stuck with that decision uh, for four years. So the challenge there will be, okay, how can we, how can we reduce the voters' apathy to make sure that they check who delegated uh, their voting power to and what the decision that that delegate is taking and then um, creating simple tools for, for the people to change their delegations anytime they want. Uh, but even the even the, the the worst case scenario is definitely better than what we have right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I I agree with that, and I I think also a lot of this does come down to values and philosophy because you know I hear a lot of people say these days, well, let's say they're talking about American politics and American democracy or Western democracy in general. They say, well, it's not working very well. Clearly, democracy wasn't really that good of an idea. And that hurts me because I'm such a believer in democracy. You know, I think a lot of the times it's important to not try to just do what's most powerful or effective or efficient. It's what's right. And I think giving power back to the people in a more dis distributed way, sometimes in the form of a democracy or a democratic republic, you do it because it, for its own right. Right. You do it because you believe it's right, not because you necessarily think that the outcomes are always going to be better. I mean, certainly everyone's going to disagree on stuff and then you're going to end up with outcomes that a lot of people don't like. But, but at least healthy. you decided together. 
Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that it's healthy. And and I think to, to the point of, you know, some of these DAOs looking like on-chain corporations, I think if you start with a DAO, a governance structure where everyone does share power in whatever way you want to design. So let's say it's one token, one vote or one member, one vote or whatever, delegated or not. If that group of people chooses that for the time being, they want to hire a board or a CEO and a management team and literally look almost exactly like a traditional corporation, I have no problem with that because the, the power still really does lie in the hands of the token holders and they can yeah. unelect the board or unelect the CEO or the CFO anytime they want to. Um, and so I, I actually think that's fine. I don't think that's a, that's exactly the direction everything's going to go. I think no, we're going to find something in no, between no, totally. where you find the right way of, yeah, you, you delegate power the way that makes the most sense for each project. And maybe sometimes that will look like a traditional corporation. So mm-hmm. um so I, to me, that's the key, right? It's where does the true power lie? And then if that power structure wants to do something old fashioned, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Totally. All right. Uh, the last article of the day, and we will each pick one highlight because we don't have time to go through the whole thing. Um, this is from Quorum, which is quorummedia.xyz. Uh, good name for a, a newsletter and a podcast about DAOs. Uh, Samantha Marin, who's been on the show, and uh, as everyone probably knows if they've listened before, I'm a huge fan of, of Sam's. She writes just fantastic content about DAOs, extremely thoughtful. Um, she uh, d- does uh, governance work at, at Aragon, among other things. Uh, so she wrote an article called What We Learned About DAOs in 2022. So another reflection on 2022. And she lists, she actually did a survey on Twitter where she asked everyone, what do you think was the biggest event of 2022 in terms of DAOs? And then she uh, listed maybe the top 10 or so tweets here. And I'm going to pick one. I'm going to pick one of her uh, highlights is DAO problems are just human problems. And I think this goes at something that we've talked about already on this show, but comes up a lot, which is just, you know, are DAOs a human problem or a technology problem? And are the solutions to doing DAOs well, whatever that means to different people, are they going to be human solutions, you know, like social systems, ways of collaborating, I guess, structures of how humans interact or are they going to be technology solutions in terms of uh, building better smart contracts and websites for Web3 interfaces for running those smart contracts? And I think probably most people would agree that it's actually both, right? It's obviously not just one or the other. But I think the observation that's really meaningful here is that a lot of the work that goes into DAOs, especially over the last few years, and it's changing, but a lot of the work that has gone into DAOs is, has come from technologists, engineers, people mm-hmm. who before DAOs were building Web3 protocols and DeFi and NFTs. And now we're all trying to build DAOs because we know that, that it's really important. Um, but and I think what we're learning is that we need to also pull in from you know, academia, from leadership and management science, from the whole history, like you mentioned earlier, cooperatives all the way through modern corporations trying to solve coordination problems and governance problems. Let's learn from both sets and combine the best of both worlds, and then we'll really have some good solutions. Totally. So yeah. any thoughts on that, Gino? Or please feel free to pick your favorite uh, from Yeah, I'll pick, I'll pick my favorite. Actually, I'll pick two, but just because they are they are. Uh, basically uh, related one is sure. uh the highlight is called we're using the wrong time scale 
and the, the tweet says DAOs will be more efficient and scalable than corporation, the only issue is that we're judging DAOs with tech time scale. DAOs will need much more mature tools and cultural shifts to come full scale. And the other one is DAOs beyond the bull market. And it says, and the tweet it says, I used to think DAOs were for shilling NFTs. Now I think DAOs are the precursors to nations, right? So what we were talking before, I mean, the first DAO, as we know DAOs today, was like from six years ago, and the outcome wasn't really good. And as DAOs were or are being built by a lot of like mostly tech people like technologies, we're not seeing the power that they will have or that they potentially could have in the future um, solving real world human coordination problems, right? I, I'm not sure if the DAOs are precursors of two nations, but definitely they're, they're going to be precursors of uh, much more complex human uh, interaction mechanisms, for sure. And we are worried because we're maybe not fulfilling all our dreams, but the history of DAOs is like hundreds of years shorter than the histories of corporations and hundreds of years shorter than the history of nations, right? So I think we need to, to, to put ourselves on the correct timescale uh, and keep building, but taking in consideration where we are uh, at a point's time. Yep. Love it. All right. That does it for the Just Dowit News Report for this week. Thank you so much, Gino, for being a part of this. Uh, it's been really fun. Um, make sure to tune in later in the week for our in-depth interview with Gino. Uh, before we close today's episode, Gino, where can people find you and your projects on the web and on social? So you can find Decentraland almost everywhere. Uh, the governance and the DAO lives in governance.decentraland.org. And you can find me at Gino Singolani on Twitter. Awesome. And of course, links will be in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller or MyDAO is at MyDAODS. That's M-I-D-A-O-D-S on Twitter or MyDAO.org. And to the audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just Dow It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.